good morning, everyone. It looks like global warming has come up to Whatcom County, and I am loving it. It is just so beautiful out there. Um, so Rich and his family, like Heather mentioned, are on their vacation, and this morning they are driving to a very sunny, cool place called Redding, California. Uh, this morning it was supposed to be 109 in Redding. Yeah. Uh, I understand they have a nice pool, so I'm sure they'll be living in their pool for quite a while. Okay, so I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking, what is this guy doing up here again? He was just up here a few weeks ago, and now he's up here again talking. What's, what's going on? Well, two weeks ago, Rich called me, and it was different. Um, he didn't start out by saying, um, hey, the bathroom in the men's restroom is broken. Can you take a look? <laughs> or, um, you know, we'd like to have communion next Sunday. Can you and Darlene set it up? He started talking about his vacation, and I'm listening. I go, oh, that sounds good, Rich. Sounds good. Then he says, um, would I preach um, for him today? So I gave my usual answer, the answer I gave last time. Um, yeah, sure, Rich. Okay, I can do that. So that's why I'm here. Uh, Rich will be back in a couple weeks, um, but you do not want to miss next week. As Heather mentioned, Rome will be speaking, and um, today you get to hear the old speak. Yeah, that's me. Someone who has seen nearly 75 years of life and uh, is too tired to go back even if I could go back, which I don't. Um, so, now I don't have a room reserved at St. Francis Convalescent yet, but let's just say I can almost see the finish line. Something that Rome cannot say. Okay. Um, next week, so you get to hear Rome speak. Um, and as long as we have young people like Rome stepping up, I don't think we have much to worry about. He's our, he's our future, and we're proud of him. Okay. So... There's probably more, I, haven't, I don't know exact, his exact age, but I'm sure there's more than 50 years separating Rome and I. Um, obviously, we see things a lot different than each other. I reflect a lot from living almost 75 years, and Rome, the youth, they look at life looking forward and living a lot more years. I think both views are good. Um, so you don't want to miss next week. A few weeks ago, uh, Rich started a series called Flourish. And he explained um, how God wants us all to flourish in this life, in all areas of our life. Uh, last week, Eve told us how God wants us to celebrate life. And if you missed last week, uh, you missed a good, good service. Eve is the perfect person to explain how to celebrate her and her family celebrate life all the time, every day, I think. And uh, she's just good. So over the summer, we're going to be looking at sp some spiritual practices and what it means to choose connection in a withering world. We're going to look at ways to flourish. And remember, we always have a choice. Okay. So today, I want to tell you a little bit about generosity. 
I'm going to be sharing quite a few Bible verses, if that's okay with you folks. So if you have a, an old-fashioned Bible um, or a Bible app, or you can just follow along on the screens. Um, I don't know if there's anybody here. Anybody here with a, a regular old Bible? No, I, those days are gone. I, re, I remember uh, a pastor said long time, years ago, he said two of his favorite sounds in, on a Sunday morning was people turning the pages of their Bible to find a reference and checks being torn out of the checkbook. <laughs> so we don't even do that anymore. It's, it's online or it's um, whatever. So anyway. So when I gave my testimony a couple weeks ago, I asked I ask you two questions. I started out by saying, what is faith and how do we get faith? Well, today I want to ask you two questions. What is generosity and how do we get generosity? So what's the first thing most of us think about when you hear the word generosity? Yeah, probably giving. What's the second thing? Probably money. Okay. Um, well, money is definitely part of generosity and giving, uh, but I think it's a small part. I don't think it's the main part at all. So I'm not here today to talk about giving money to the church, so you can all relax, <laughs> take a big breath, exhale, feel a gentle breeze over the air conditioner on the back of your head, take your hand away from your wallet, guys. You're okay. You're safe here. You're, this is a safe place. So um, last week I was talking to a friend of mine, and um, I was telling him I'm going to talk today and told him what I'm going to be speaking on. And he says, well, you know, John, most pastors, when it comes that time of the year to speak on giving and tithing, they usually try to get somebody else to do that. Like they go on vacation or they have a pastor's <laughs> conference. Well, I don't think Rich was hinting or saying anything like that. If he was, I didn't pick up on it. So generosity involves so much more than giving of our material resources. We've all heard about byproducts of, of different materials. So I'll tell you what a byproduct is. A byproduct is something that comes from a main material, another material. Let's take oil, for example. This, there is not, so just in case you know, don't know, there is not a pipeline from BP refinery to your gas station. Gasoline is a byproduct. They have to make it from oil. So don't put oil in your gas tank. Okay. Um, actually, there are hundreds of byproducts from oil. A lot of them I didn't know until I started looking up. Here's a picture of just a few of them. So as you, as you can see, there's all kinds of things. There's, you can't see it, but there's aspirin, clothing, of course, cell phones, regular phones, I mean, tires, gasoline, of course, all kinds of things are byproducts of oil. So, so generosity also has many byproducts, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now that probably sounds kind of familiar. It should. That's what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, which we read about in Galatians 5. It also produces things like hospitality, friendship, loyalty, and integrity. 
Generosity is more than a behavior. Being generous is a virtue derived from your beliefs, cultures, and more. Generosity is characterized by freely giving good things. It is often uninhibited, unrestricted, and liberal. Another byproduct of generosity is happiness. Now here's another picture. Now, I don't know if you can read that very well, so I'll read it to you. It says, um, life isn't, I thought this was good for the Northwest, by the way. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. So there are um, plenty of ways to be generous. We probably all know of people who model these characteristics. I have one in my household. I'm not gonna mention any names, but there are only two people in my home. So you can probably figure it out. Generosity is her gift. She will work for days on a family dinner and be tired and hurting, but she loves, she loves it. She loves to give to others. She will buy something and show it to me and I'll say, why did you buy two? Or why did you buy six? And she will say, so I have something to give. That's the way she thinks. Okay. Another picture of generosity, and he is not here today, and I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. I don't think he will. Um, last week, um, John Webb brought in two big bags of cherries to give away. Uh, John and his wife, Rhonda, first they picked the cherries, bagged them up, brought them to church, and put them on the table in the commons with a bag of baggies, box of baggies. He then told everyone to help themselves to the cherries. And they were really good. If you got some, they were really delicious. They did not expect anything in return. They did it just for love, for love of us. So how do we get generosity? Well, we certainly are not born with generosity. The Bible says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So David is not saying that he was a sinner at birth. He is saying that he was born into a sinful world. Paul said everyone is a sinner. That's everyone. So in Psalms 58, David says, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the, most, or from the womb they are wayward, spreading lives. Now most children have to be taught how to tell, tell the truth, share, love, and be kind to others. If you've ever seen a small boy do a meltdown or have a meltdown because he didn't want to share his toy, uh, you know what I mean. Of course, little girls are almost like angels. I love little girls. Um, but we've all seen little boys do that. Also, we seem to have more generosity around the holiday season. You know, we, we see the Salvation Army red buckets and we feel compelled to give something. So a lot of that generosity seems to fall by the wayside once the holiday season is over. So how can you and me, how can we be more generous in our daily life? The source of our generosity will depend on your life circumstances. Maybe you weren't fortunate enough to live in a home where love, support, encouragement, and discipline were practiced. Maybe you weren't taught about giving to others. Well, God can help you in that area. God can teach you, so you have no excuse. So why 
Should we be more generous? Generosity can lead to a surprising number of benefits when practiced regularly. Naturally, helping others will benefit others. However, being generous will also help us immediately and in the long term. I think we get more than the person we are being generous to. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I've had to learn that um, through Darlene. I've had to learn that blessing of giving. So even, um, even the world will agree with this. Here's what the experts of the world says. Sedentary or inactive people who volunteer tend to become more physically active, improving their overall physical health. Generous people tend to live longer. Generosity makes people happier, improving their overall mental health. Volunteering and generosities prevent burnout with the amount of work people can do. Generosity improves and strengthens interpersonal relationships. That's what the world says, and I agree with them. Generosity is reciprocal, and that's a big word for this guy. That's a big word for me, but I'll tell you what it means. It means to respond to a gesture or action by making a corresponding one. In other words, generosity flows from what we have been given. In order to be generous, you have to acknowledge what you have been given. Generosity as a spiritual practice is recognizing what God has given us and then reciprocating, giving back that gift. So here's, here's another big question. What has God given us? We have been given so much. Because God has healed me from an incurable lung disease, every morning I wake up, I take a big breath, and I, I say, thank you, Lord, for air in my lungs. Thank you for my healing. Every morning. Well, you have just as much to be thankful for. Take a big breath. That is from God. That's life. We have life. Look at our body, how it works. Man will never be able to duplicate what God has created. Never, ever. I mean, so many things in our bodies. It's amazing. Um, so look at your family. How precious are your family? Even when we don't always agree with each other, they are precious. Family is right up there, number one. And children, they're truly a gift. Um, one of my favorite things about Sunday mornings is I, I'm usually in the back, and I love to watch the kids when they dismiss to go down to, back to their rooms. I love they're just happy, and they're, they're heading down the aisle following their teacher, and they've just got this big smile and laughing. I love children. They're good. So what about our church? Now, I'm not talking about this building, although I, I'm grateful for this building. I'm talking about all the people around us, the people around the world that share this love of God for us. That's the church. How about this earth? especially where we live. It's beautiful here in Whatcom County. It's beautiful in this area. And we only know a little bit about the universe. Um, have any of you see those new pictures that they were sent back from the, what's it called, James Webb Space Telescope? 
Um, there are amazing pictures. This is the new telescope that just started sending pictures back. Um, and those, those little specks that you see, those are actually galaxies. We live in a galaxy and there's lots and lots, we're finding out there's lots and lots more galaxies. And these galaxies are billions of years old and billions of light years away. Just a couple of pictures you can go on. There's, there's some more galaxies. Um, so you say, okay, what's a light year? I, I've heard that term tossed around quite a bit. Well, since you ask, a light year is the distance light travels in one Earth year. 365 days, that's how far light travels. Well, so to break it down a little bit better, um, what about billions of light years? That's, that's too much, way too much for me to, to understand. But I'll, I'll tell you this, if, if we could travel at the speed of light, which we can't, we can't, not even, not even close, we could go around the Earth a seven and a half times in one second. So let's see how long a second is. Mississippi one. So light could have went around the Earth seven and a half times. You know, that's, um, that's faster than anything man has ever imagined. So we have been given so much and we have to be generous to God. And then we are led to be generous with others. Generosity can be a form of godliness. We have to do more than freely give. In whatever form, we have to live out generosity by reciprocating or giving back. If we want to be like Jesus, it has to be natural like it was with him. It has to be in our hearts. It has to be a way of life with us. We should not give because it's the right thing to do. We should give because we want to. And again, I'm not talking necessarily about money. I'm talking about generosity. Saying hello to that homeless person or whatever. I mean, there's thousands of ways to be generous. Okay. Generosity in the world usually has an agenda or an alternative motive. People give for a lot of the wrong reasons. They want to be noticed or thanked. Here's what the Bible says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus you will give to the needy. Now thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by other. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So be sure of your motives when you're generous. You don't want to get your reward here on earth. That's temporary. We want our reward in heaven. Okay? Amen. Amen. So what if one of Jesus' greatest teachings on forgiveness was actually also a lesson on generosity? Listen to this parable from Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter, 
came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one owed him 10,000 talents and was brought to him. Now, let me explain what a, in those days what a talent was. It's, it's big, it's huge. So one talent, just one talent, was worth about 20 years of day's labors. In other words, it would take a person 20 years of giving their labor to, for one talent. And, and we said he came, he owed even 10,000 talents. So that's way, 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 huge, huge. And he used that on, for a reason, and I'll tell you that in a minute. Then we go on. But since he did not have the means to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay everything, pay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So a denarius or denarii was one day's wage for a common laborer in those days. So the average laborer would make about one denarius a day. Okay. So we go on and read. Verse 29, so his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. I never quite figured that out. How do you pay back money when you're in prison? But so when his fellow slaves saw, slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. So this story has three main characters in it. The king represents God. The slaves represent us. The contrast between the talents, the 10,000 talents, and the 100 denarii, I told you it was, it was huge, the difference it was huge. Um, so the average person working at that time, 10,000 talents was like infinity. I mean, it was way too big. A hundred denarii, so it was a concrete number and it was workable. Even if the first servant 
did not forgive the second serve. He could have made a schedule for repayment plan, and over a period of months or years, he could have repaid him back. It was a workable loan. Instead, he showed no mercy while he received mercy from the king. The hundred denarius was a practical amount, not too small, not too large. It was a nice round number that people could identify with. So how generous was the king? Very generous, very generous, just like God. The king had pity on his servant that owed him a large amount of money and forgave him debt, debt. So how generous was the other servant of the king? Uh, not, not generous at all. The servant had a friend that owed him a smaller debt. He went and required payment. His friend could not pay the debt, so he had him thrown in jail. What did this action say to the other servants, his friends, his peers? What impact would a generous response had to his fellow peers? The act of the king is very much an act of forgiveness. God's forgiveness for us is the single greatest act of forgiveness, but is also probably the greatest display of generosity. We don't deserve what God has done for us. We could never, ever begin to pay him back. Never. So as for the other servant, this is an image of life lived out of selfishness, stinginess, a life lived in slavery and bondage. We are talking about a man living his life not truly knowing God, separate from a life lived from generosity. Again, doing good is not a natural thing. Generosity is not the action of giving what is owed or expected in a day-to-day -day interaction. So let me give you just a little example. Um, say you take your, your wife or your girlfriend out to dinner and you arrive at the restaurant and you open the door to McDonald's and you go in and you, <laughs> hey, things are getting tough out there. Things, inflation is, I heard that the um, three second rule where you drop food on the floor and it's okay to pick it up, three seconds, they've changed it, it's 10 seconds now. <laughs> because things are tough, things are tough out there. Anyway, you go in, you order a couple of Big Macs and extra fries and, and uh, the young girl behind the counter, who, uh, by the way, used to be Taylor. I loved to used to go in there and see Taylor once in a while in, here in Ferndale. But anyway, you, she tells you, tells you the price. Um, it'll be uh, 15.43. Even hamburgers have gone up quite a bit. So you turn to your wife and your girlfriend, or your girlfriend, and you say, "You know what, hon? I'm feeling really generous today. I'm going to pay the full amount." Well, that's not generous. That's what's expected, okay? I mean, it's just common sense. So what does the Bible say about giving? In Luke chapter 6, we read some of the greatest teaching of Jesus. Starting in verse 27, we read, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other way also. Turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. 
Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not, do not demand it back. And here's the greatest, one of the greatest verses I like in the whole Bible. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then down in verse 63, 33, not 63, we read, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And the last verse, 38, says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured, it will be measured to you. Now that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it is, it, it's true with money, it's also true with everything else that we give. Um, generosity, it will come back to you. It will come back and it's, most of you with me can agree it. You know this to be true. You've seen it happen in your own life. So um, I'm going to ask Faith, wherever she's at, to come back up. I hope she didn't go back to Linden. <laughs> now here she comes. So um, generosity is an action of godly character. God is seeking people who will reflect his character and model his generosity. Are you a generous person? I started, I started this talk telling you that generosity is not necessary about giving money, and that's the way I want to end it. Generosity is a way of life, the way we treat others, the way we obey God's commands, a way to make others happy, which in turn makes us happy. In other words, a great way to live life on this old earth. Okay. Will you pray with me, please? Would you close your eyes? Dear Lord Jesus, I am so grateful for everything you have done for me. I pray that I can give back to you and my fellow man in whatever way I can. Help me to share the love you have put in my heart to everyone I meet. Father, I am not looking for any reward or repayment on this earth. I know my reward will be in heaven. I may not ever go to another country to be a missionary, but I have a mission field all around me right here. Father, help us all to see what you've given us and try to give back to others, to our fellow man, our neighbors, the strangers we meet, the divine appointments you've put in front of us. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I also, Father, um, personal note, I thank you for being up here with me. Um, it may seem like I was up here alone, but I know I wasn't. And um, actually, I wouldn't do this if I thought I was going to be up here alone. So thank you for being right here next to me. I'm your servant. Thank you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.